Amen. Well, I had a great time at the UCA conference this past uh, half week. It was inspiring to be in a room with a number of scholars who understand theology on such a deep level. And it inspires me to grow closer to God and further understand who he is and who his son is as these scholars know the scriptures on such a deep level and that knowledge of the scriptures helps them grow closer to God. We all know God on varying levels, varying degrees, and we are all on an ever-going quest. Whether we know it or not, or whether we have even, uh, some people really even started this journey, we're all on an ever-going quest of seeking to grow closer to God, our Creator, and our Father if we enter into His family. And that's part of why we exist as a church. Again, we exist as a church to grow closer to God and expand His kingdom. And there's a number of ways in which we can grow closer to God. Our studies are certainly one way in which we can grow closer to God. One essential tool and resource that we have at our disposal 24-7 is prayer. We started a series two weeks ago on communion with God. And really our focus of discussion throughout this series is on prayer. As for the sake of this series, we have defined prayer as communion with God. And some of you guys may be wondering what in the world does communion with God mean? Well, we've defined communion as the establishment of an intimate relationship through the exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. And so that's essentially what prayer is. Prayer is the establishing of that intimate relationship with God through the exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings with our creator. And so the first week in our series, two weeks ago, we talked about what prayer is, essentially communion with God. And then we also discussed why we pray. And, and essentially, the, the purpose of prayer is that we can uh, better grow closer to God. Prayer is not to be treated as simply a means to get things that we want. God is not a genie. God is our Heavenly Father who loves us so much and desires a relationship with you and I. And then last week, we discussed briefly how to pray. And there needs to be an element when we're, when we're seeking to pray to God, seeking to communicate with the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth. There needs to be an element of respect for all of his power and all of his knowledge and, and his infinite worth. And there also needs to be an element of love as well as we seek to enter into this relationship with God through his son, Christ Jesus, we become his children. We become his son or we become his daughter. And so there's an element of love as well. And so the way in which we talk to God, the tone in, in which we present our prayers to God would be very similar to how a child would approach their loving father with both love and respect. And so last week, uh, we, we, we discussed, you know, what do you say to an all-knowing God? What do you say to, to a father who knows your every thought better than you even do yourself? What in the world are you supposed to say? And so we went through a simple model of prayer that was constructed in the 19th century to help answer that question. This model is ACTS, uh, A-C-T-S, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. And so after we spent nearly a full message talking about what to say when praying, today we're going to discuss, it may seem a bit contradictory, but today we're going to discuss that maybe the thing you need most in your prayer life is to simply say less. We all have that friend, that family member, coworker, acquaintance who just 
loves to talk. Uh, you, you know who they are. I'm sure a number of you have someone in your mind right now thinking, oh yeah, that is totally him or her. And do not point your finger. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, these people, but these people, they can go on and on and on. A lot of times they like to talk about themselves. And that's a great communication tip. Some people fret about talking to others. If that's you, Simply just ask the other person questions about themselves as in general, people love to talk about themselves. And so it's great to hear from that friend, that family member or coworker uh, who just loves to talk, but sometimes it is just too much. Uh, can I get an amen? <laughs> uh, amen. Uh, sometimes it's just a little too much. That person may seldom let you interject into the conversation or sometimes it can just get exhausting after listening to for a while. And they repeat themselves, yeah. <laughs> and they do it again. <laughs> and on the flip side of that, uh, on the flip side of that, some of the best friends that we have are the friends that we can just be silent with, where no one freaks out feeling like they have to remove this, uh, th this silence in this particular situation. And that's the measure of a true friend right there. At conference, I had the wonderful privilege and honor of meeting a handful of people I've never met before. And at times at conference, you'll find yourselves in one-on-one -on -one discussions, encounters with others that you don't know very well. And with these encounters, there's almost always someone talking. Otherwise, this encounter would be extremely awkward and extremely uncomfortable. There'd just be their strange aura in the air. Some of you guys are getting anxious just thinking about being in a social situation like this, thinking about the uncomfortable feeling of neither one of you saying much and not knowing what to say that awkward feeling of silence. Uh, I'm sure some of your guys' blood pressure right now as we speak is climbing and climbing and climbing, just thinking about being put in that situation, that uncomfortable, awkward situation of someone you don't know that well, and there is this un, uh, th there's this awkward moment of silence. You're not sure what to say. They're not sure uh, what to say. Now, when it comes to Jamie and I, after the kids are put in bed, we can be sitting on the same couch and we can literally not say a word to each other for five minutes and there's absolutely zero awkward feelings in the air. Or we can be, we're about to go on a long drive uh, up to Michigan uh, later on today and I'm sure there'll be uh, periods of time where there'll be no talking and there'll be zero feelings of awkwardness in that situation. And you can think about your spouse or your family member or dear friend, and there's not a need for someone to remove that silence. You've all been in that situation before. But could you imagine sitting in a room by yourself at night with one other acquaintance or stranger sitting on the same couch with you and just be silent for five minutes or going on a long car drive with an acquaintance or a stranger and it just being silent for five minutes, there's going to be feelings of awkwardness. I'm no sociologist, so I'm not exactly sure why this phenomenon holds true, but it certainly does. I'm sure you all can, can think uh, of this situation playing true in your life and not needing to fill the, these moments of silence with your closest loved ones, your spouse, your children, your, your closest friends, but there's very much a need to do so when you are encountering someone you are not that close to. But we can relish in silence with our loved ones. And the same holds true with God as well. 
we can relish in silence with our heavenly father. God desires for us to be silent before him. I found five different passages in the Old Testament that instruct us uh, or someone who who is practicing uh, this example of being silent before the Lord. In Exodus 14, 14, Moses is instructing the Israelites. Moses, the leader of uh, the Israelites at this point in time, they're getting ready to cross the Red Sea. And he tells the Israelites as they're getting ready to cross the Red Sea, the Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. That's your only job. God is going to fight for you. Your job is to be silent. In Psalm 62, Psalm 62 is a Psalm of David. And David writes, for God alone, my soul waits in what? In silence. From him comes my salvation. And then four verses later in verse five of Psalm 62, David writes, for God alone, oh, my soul, wait in what? In silence, for my hope is from him. And then we go to the minor prophets and we see in Habakkuk chapter two, verse 20, Habakkuk uh, writes uh, throughout this letter, uh, this book, Habakkuk is writing as he is frustrated, looking around the people around him and seeing their wickedness in their day-to-day lives. And as he is seeking to, to deal with this frustration, he writes, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. And then finally, in Zephaniah 1.7, another minor prophet there, Zephaniah ministered during the days of King Josiah, one of the last kings of Judah, as we had the United Nation of Israel under Saul, David, and Solomon, and then the kingdom split into two, the 10 northern tribes of Israel, the two southern tribes of Judah. And uh, so Josiah here, King Josiah, he's one of the last kings of Judah before they were conquered. And uh, this prophet Zephaniah, as he's ministering during this time, he writes, Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. You know, Zephaniah proclaimed that the day of the Lord is near. Zephaniah wrote this, uh, wrote this book, uh, and the scholars believe in the 7th century BC, over 2,500 years ago, uh, Zephaniah said that we need to be silent before the Lord. Why? Because the day of the Lord is near. Some think that we are awfully close to the day of the Lord. When we talk about the day of the Lord, where we're talking about that process of Jesus establishing that kingdom here on earth, where where the righteous will inherit eternal life and the wicked will have to pay for their sins. They'll have to pay for the wages of their sins, and that is death. And so something that we're awfully close to that day of the Lord today, uh, the escalation in Israel, I'm sure we're all uh, somewhat familiar with the escalation in Israel and the war over there. Some people think that's one proof that... uh, the return of the Lord being very soon. We, we don't know. We don't know the day nor hour. Um, at the time of uh, Jesus' earthly ministry, the only person who knew it was God the Father. Maybe Jesus knows now. I don't know. Uh, but nobody knows that day nor hour. What I do know is that we're closer today than, Zeph- than we were when Zephaniah wrote this letter in the 7th century BC. But because the day of the Lord is near, we therefore need to be silent before the Lord God. And so five times throughout the Old Testament, we are instructed to be silent before the Lord. And so as we seek communion with God, seeking this intimate relationship with God through the exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, 
we need to learn to be silent before him as well. In our at-home Bible study, we're reading through Sacred Pathways, um, a book written by Gary Thomas, all about different pathways, different ways in which we can grow closer to God. And God's timing is great. This past uh, Wednesday, as we're going through this material, a key focus of our discussion was simply being still and being silent before the Lord. And I'm not that smart to uh, link the two together. It's it's simply God's timing, God working through the situation. But Gary Thomas, the author of the book, compares our prayers to a dance with God. If you think about uh, dancing uh, with someone of the opposite sex and you uh, one-on-one, that slow dance, sometimes you take the lead in that dance and other times your partner will take the lead in a dance. And he suggests that we need to let God take the lead more in our prayers. And I cannot agree with him more. He states that this is where the West can grow the most in prayer as Western prayer is so human-motivated and human-centered. I mean, think about it. We decide when to pray, we decide how we're going to pray, and we decide what we're going to pray about. A lot of people treat prayer like a monologue to God, but but prayer is very much two-sided. It's the exchanging of thoughts and feelings both ways. You know, many are diligent about praying to the Lord. They adore God for who he is. They confess their sins before God Almighty. They thank God for all that he does and all that he is, and they make the request known to God. And after they make the request known to God, they end their prayer saying, amen. And after they say amen, they get on and they go on with the rest of their day without having that moment of silence at all. Now, I would encourage you guys to not be that friend that family member or coworker that just talks and talks and talks and never gives the other a chance to respond. I mean, I think all of us want God to answer our prayers, but how often do we give God the opportunity? How often do we give God the chance to answer our prayers? And I'm guessing for, for a lot of us, in a lot of instances, we don't give God a, a sufficient opportunity, a sufficient chance to do that as we are praying. We're making a request known to God. Amen. All right, now, now what are we going to do? What are we going to have for dinner? What do we uh, need to go to work? Whatever, X, Y, and Z. We go on with the rest of our days. But we want God to answer our prayers. I think God wants to answer our prayers as well. I'm reminded of the story, uh, we're not going to read it, but the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19. I encourage you uh, later this week to read through 1 Kings. You can read first through 1 Kings 18 and then 1 Kings 19. What we'll see here is that Elijah, a, a prophet of God, he encounters all of these prophets of Baal, who was a foreign god of that day and age. And it was a great act of faith through Elijah as he confronted all these prophets of Baal. And after this great act of faith, You know what we see Elijah doing? We see Elijah running away because he is scared. And we see that a lot of the heroes of our faith, they're like a roller coaster of faith where they are living in cloud nine. Their faith is on fire for God. And then the next moment we see in the scriptures that they completely reverted course. And I think that can maybe hold true for a lot of us as well. These days, these moments where we have tremendous faith in God, And then maybe the next moment we turn around and we see that we're displaying a lack of faith in God. And that's what we see in Elijah in 1 Kings 19. After this tremendous act of faith, he's running away in fear of his life. And God confronts him 
And God then speaks to him. And so as Elijah was running away and God all of a sudden encountered Elijah, there was all of a sudden a great wind. And it was a tremendous wind. But God didn't speak to him through the wind. And then as Elijah was running away, there was a great earthquake. And the earth was shaking and the ground trembling. But God did not talk to Elijah through the earthquake. And after this great wind and after this earthquake, all of a sudden there was a great fire, but yet God did not speak to Elijah through this fire. Then after the, these three tremendous events, I mean, it'd be pretty incredible to witness all of a sudden this great wind and then this great earthquake and then this great fire back to back to back. I mean, it's one thing to witness a great wind. It's one thing to witness a great earthquake or a great fire, but to go back to back to back. And then all of a sudden there was a low whisper. That's how God chose to communicate with Elijah. And if we are never silent before the Lord, we are going to miss so often or hear how often God is truly communicating with us. And it's not just uh, be, being silent before God isn't just about hearing, uh, hearing God answer our prayers as well and, and being attuned to how he is communicating with us. Because I, I'm sure God is seeking to communicate with us and we need to open our mind, our ears, our hearts uh, to, to, to God spiritually and physically. But on top of that, being silent before God is about simply resting in his presence as well. There is a tremendous beauty in simply sitting in silence in the presence of the Lord. You know, uh, with Ezra and Ayla, our two kiddos, Ezra about to turn four, Ayla one and a half, some of my absolute favorite interactions with the both of them is when they just snuggle their head on my chest. They don't say a word to me. I don't say a word to them. And I'm just soaking up being in their presence and they're soaking up being in the presence of their dad. And I think God gets the same sort of enjoyment from us. When we have no other objective than simply sitting silently in his presence. You can have that image, that thought of a child simply sitting in the presence of their father or mother. And the love, the peace the comfort, the joy that you can experience in that moment. I think God yearns for that moment with each and every one of us as well as our loving heavenly father. And so we need to learn to just sit still. We need to sit silent in the presence of the Lord. Through his spirit, through God's spirit that he fills us with, we can rest in his presence. We can be still and know that Yahweh is God. I find for me personally, as I continue to mature in my relationship with God, hopefully all of us are continuing to mature, continuing to grow closer to God. And as I find myself continuing to grow closer to God, the more and more I find myself just sitting in silence in the presence of God. I think we should all be seeking to do the same as well. Five times in the Old Testament, we're, we're, we're told to do just that, sitting in silence before the Lord. 
And so there needs to be a balance in, in our communion with God as we're seeking to establish this intimate relationship. There certainly needs to be times in our prayer life where we are communicating with God, making uh, our requests known to God, confessing our sins to God, adoring him for who he is, giving him thanks. But there also needs to be a time and a place in our prayers to God where we are doing nothing other than simply sitting silently in his presence. So the question then comes into play of how do we just sit in silence in the presence of the Lord? How many of you uh, have ever sat down with good intentions to pray to God? And before you know it, you're thinking about the Buckeye game. You're thinking about what you're going to eat. You're thinking about why is the sky blue and the grass green? Raise your hand if you've been there before. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that's probably all of us in this room times a thousand. I'm sure we've done this time and time again where we have these good intentions of seeking God in prayer. But we find our mind wonders. Sometimes that's the noise that is, the, as we talked about uh, this week in our at-home Bible study, sometimes that's the, frequently, that's the noise that is hardest to silence. Not the noise going on around us. I think we certainly need to silence the noise around us. We need to learn to place ourselves, intentionally place ourselves in environments where there's low levels of stimuli, there's low levels of noise and visual stimulus. Uh, but at the same time, we need to learn to silence the, the noise going on in our minds as well. And so this danger of your mind wandering can be all the more evident when we are seeking to sit in silence. And so the, at least for me, the, this, this tendency, uh, this temptation to be distracted when I'm actively uh, making my requests known to God, when I'm actively giving him thanks, uh, there can be this tendency, this temptation to, to be distracted with all the other thoughts of the world. But all the more, when we are simply sitting in silence, can we find ourselves distracted with the, with the thoughts within our mind? And so how can we keep our mind from wondering and just focusing on the presence of God? Two chapters in our at-home Bible study uh, that we covered this past week helped address this dilemma. Just one uh, practical tip uh, Gary Thomas in his book offers uh, a type of prayer, he calls it, to help us simply focus on the presence of God. He calls it, uh, he calls it a centering prayer. And ben, ben, if you have that uh, slide there, the, the centering prayer. When all we want to do is just focus on the presence of God, and to help us focus in on the presence of God, we simply repeat a word or a phrase when our mind starts to wonder. And so say, for example, you uh, woke up early in the morning, you have sufficient time uh, to seek your heavenly father in prayer, you make your request known to God, you uh, verbally adore him, you confess your sins to God, you thank him, and then after all of that, you're seeking to sit in silence before the Lord. And as you're seeking to sit in silence before the Lord, you start to see your mind starting to drift to what you're going to do at work today. You see your mind starting to drift to whatever. And all of a sudden, you just repeat a word or repeat a phrase to help get your mind back on track. And so a couple examples of these words or phrases that we can repeat in our mind is Father, and just focusing on the Father, the Father, the Father, anytime our mind uh, veers off, when we uh, mind wanders away, repeat the phrase, God is with me, or silence, be still, love God, God is one, and control your breath, calm down your body, 
calm down your mind and simply focus on nothing else other than the presence of God. You know, a lot of uh, self-help uh, guys and gals uh, today are, are talking about the benefits of meditation and the benefits uh, of uh, freeing your mind, restoring your mind in this practice of meditation. And that adds a whole nother element when, when we're using this to, to seek a connection with God, when we are simply resting in silence. We're sitting in silence in the presence of the Lord. And so again, obviously this needs to happen in an environment where there are low levels of stimuli. I need to get in a quiet place and seek to just focus in on the presence of God. And so we're going to try something new today. Uh, as I'm guessing, there are a number of us in this room this morning who have never tried to be silent in the presence of the Lord. And I think this is an extremely important practice. And I want us all to practice this concept of sitting silently in the presence of the Lord, I want us all to do it collectively here in a minute here. What we're going to do here in a minute is I'm going to set my timer to four minutes. We're going to collectively sit in silence before the Lord for four minutes. I was shooting for somewhere between three to five minutes. I thought three minutes was too short. Five minutes was going to seem like an eternity. Uh, I'm telling you guys, by, I'm going to set my timer to four minutes. By the time it hits minutes three, some of you guys are going to be thinking, uh, he actually set his timer to 40 minutes and not four minutes. But trust me, it'll be four minutes. I want us all to simply sit in silence and to focus on nothing else other than the presence of God. Some of you are going to find that you can get into this state where, where you're able to focus in on the presence of God rather instantaneously. Some of you guys are going to find that after four minutes, you're not able to get to that state where you're able to simply focus on the presence of God. If that's you, maybe let, let that be a sign that you need to practice this more in your day-to-day -day life as you seek communion with God, as you seek to establish an intimate relationship with God. And so... You do whatever you need to do, whether that be bow your head, close your eyes, get on your knees, open your eyes, whatever you need to do to focus in on the presence of God, do that. And we'll keep this uh, slide open uh, of different examples of words or phrases that you can repeat in your mind when your mind starts to wonder. And so I'm going to start with a prayer for all of us, a verbal prayer. And then after that prayer, I'm going to start the timer. And we are all going to partake in this. It's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel uncomfortable. Some of you guys, probably the majority of you guys, are not going to be a fan of me. But I'd rather you guys not be a fan of me and practice this, uh, this discipline, the, the, this practice of sitting silently in the presence of the Lord. So let's take a moment and, and let's seek God in prayer. Father, I just give you praise for who you are. Father, we just recognize you in all of your power, your knowledge, your goodness, your love, and your mercy. Father, at this time, it's my hope and it's my prayer that you free our minds of the distractions of the world. And that, Father, that you help us to simply focus in on your presence 
that we can sit silently before you. So God, I just pray that you bless this practice. I just pray that you watch over us as a church family and help us to sit in silence before you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So calm your minds, calm your heart, focus in on the presence of God.
Father God, we give you praise for who you are. Father, we live in a noisy, busy world. Father, I just pray that you help us instill this practice in our day-to-day lives, a sitting in silence before you. To just focus on your ever presence before us. God, I just thank you for the opportunity that we have to approach you confidently, directly, as you sit on your throne in heaven. God, I just thank you for this opportunity that we have. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. So prayer is communion with God, the intimate relationship through the intimate exchange of thoughts and feelings. And I find a lot of times we, we treat prayer very much one side, but this is a dance we are doing with God. Sometimes we take the lead and being verbal with our requests, being verbal with, with the ways in which we adore God and confessing our sins and giving God thanks. And sometimes we sit in silence for the presence of the Lord. And we let God take the lead in our prayer lives as this is too, very much two sides. We are communicating back and forth with our heavenly father. Our God, our, our Father certainly loves to hear from us and he needs to hear from us. But at the same time, he desires for us to simply be silent in his presence, just like a baby boy, a baby girl, be silent in the presence of their father or mother. So sometimes as we're seeking to establish a prayer life that is effective and efficient in our life, sometimes the best think we can do in our prayers is simply saying less. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you. You are a good God. Help us establish a life of prayer with you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.